Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week I'm part of a great program called the Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll. And every Thursday, a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So this is what you have to do. Just follow the Ringer MMA show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer. Is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. It is a Sunday in a Monday edition of New York, New York Live from All-Star Weekend in Seattle, Washington. It is a beautiful thing to be up in the Pacific Northwest for our first ever New York, New York All-Star Extravaganza. Got no sleep. Basically went from doing TV at 1.30 in the morning. Barely made my flight. The TSA was a disaster. The lines around John F. Kennedy Airport were a disaster. Kate found a way to get us in, made the flight. Stefan was worried about me. But here we are. We're going to have a lot of fun over the next couple of days. But let's call it like this. As we now have officially hit the first half of the Major League season, it's a little past the first half of the year, but you get my drift with it being All-Star Weekend. Not a whole lot to feel good about if you're a fan of the New York Yankees and the New York Mets as you get set for the next couple of days of being on hiatus. And I'm starting with the Yankees because their Friday night performance was an absolute joke offensively, even with the return of Carlos Rodon getting one hit by Jamison Tyon looking as hapless and as lifeless and as shameful as they look over the course of those particular at-bats and those particular sequences. Disgusting. Sunday took it to another level against the Chicago Cubs. You're thinking, all right, the Yankees are set up to go win two out of three 
to at least feel better about themselves going in the All-Star break. They get a really well-pitched game out of Domingo Herman. You got Volpe and Higgy going back-to-back, and you're like, okay, three-run lead, Herman cruising. This has got to be a game the Yankees find a way to win, and they don't find a way to win for a variety of different reasons. Let's start with number one. What in the world is Aaron Boone doing taking Domingo Herman out of the game when his pitch count is in the low 70s, when he's giving up one hit and one run? And I don't want to hear the nerds, and I saw all this nonsense on Twitter, on Spaces, wherever you get your social media these days. Oh, the, the third time through the order, Herman's numbers aren't as good. Watch the games! He's cruising against the Cubs. The guy threw a perfect game just two starts ago. And, and we can't let Domingo Herman try to go through and wiggle through the top half of the seventh inning. A lot of the negative that you saw from the seventh inning on, to me, is induced by bad karma. Yeah, I'm a believer in karma. Maybe I'm hanging out with Taylor Swift. I don't know. I wish. Maybe in my dreams I'd be a part of that entourage and that posse. But I do believe in that. You take a starter out of a game in the seventh inning when he's given up one run, one hit, you got three-run lead, and he's throwing 70-something pitches. I don't care about how rested your bullpen is. I don't care how good your bullpen is. That's lame. That's just like insanity to me. And Boone just has a quick trigger constantly with Herman because the numbers, because, oh, this is what my people in the analytics department tell me to do instead of having a feel and a pulse for how his particular starter is churning. So I had a big problem with that. Now, I'm going to roast the manager, but the manager would have been easily off the hook if Gleyber Torres does what he is supposed to do and turns a double play and ends the inning and bails Ian Hamilton out of trouble. This is the enigma and the curse of Gleyber Torres. Gleyber Torres has talent. Gleyber Torres, in theory, has not been a problem for the 2023 Yankees. But the lapses, whether it's on the bases, whether it's at times at the plate, whether you see it in the field where there's been way too much sloppy play, and I know Boone was quick to defend his player after the game saying this sort of stuff happens, except for the fact that it always seems to happen with Gleyber Torres, and that's unacceptable. And his defense this year has not been as good as it was last year. That's a costly boo-boo. So, yeah, I can roast Darren Boone for his bullpen management or his game decisions, which are lousy. But he doesn't look as bad if there's a 4-6-3 double play out of the inning. Yankees have a three-run lead, and away you go. That did not happen. And from that point forward, you had the bullpen slip up. You had Ron Marinaccio not do the job. You saw Clay Holmes come in with a five-man infield in an impossible bases loaded, nobody out situation. And, you know, you play five infielders, but you don't pitch to the shifts, which I always find puzzling and amusing. And the Yankees go and proceed and lose this game to the Chicago Cubs. They lose this series to a mediocre Cubs team. And if the season were to end today, the New York Yankees would be on the outside looking in when it comes to postseason play, which 
with this format, with their payroll, and I don't want to hear about the excuses. I don't want to hear about the injuries, including the injury to number 99. The Yankees being on the outside looking in for postseason play is shameful, deplorable, and unacceptable. There's no other way to write a story, folks. This first half for the New York Yankees has been a monumental flop. So, the Yankees decided to do something on Sunday that they have never done in the Brian Cashman era, which, as we know, has lasted quite a while in New York Yankee land, going all the way back to 1998. They have never fired a coach in season. Well, that ended on Sunday after this game against the Cubs because the hitting coach, Dylan Lawson, was let go. And a few moments ago, we're taping this at around 8.30 Eastern time, 5.30 Pacific. Cashman said in a Zoom that they're going outside the organization. Now, I don't know where you're getting a coach at this point in the year outside the organization. That's kind of tough to do. I applaud the fact that the Yankees are acknowledging that they're at bat quality and that their approach and their hitting style as a whole has been a joke and has been pathetic. And the fact that we're lumping the Yankees in with the likes of the Oakland A's and the Kansas City Royals from an offensive perspective in the American League should tell you all you need to know about how bad and how lifeless and how just shameful they've been from an offensive perspective. So that's great. I think the big problem is within the roster construction and how the front office and the analytics department has gone about their business and how the manager and the general manager and the whole operation in Yankee land has gone about their business, where if you talk to people in Yankee land, they think they are doing a great job. They think that they have been a very successful organization over the last five years. And I would beg to differ because in Yankee land, that is not the standard to go and just be a team that's in the dance. And then to try to sit there and tell me that postseason is a crapshoot when the Houston Astros could say, oh, really? It's a crapshoot? We've been in the World Series how many times since 2017? They were there in 17. They were there in 19. They were there in 2021. They were there in 2022. Crapshoot. But for the Yankees, they haven't been there since 2009. But, oh, it's it, it's okay because our process and the way we do things and our, our rationale and thought process is there. So you want to change hitting coaches? Great. Be my guest. Do I think that solves the internal woes and issues that this team has in front of them? No, not particularly. Yankees got some problems, folks. And it's been the same old story all year. They don't hit. And even on a day where they do score four runs, their bullpen yucks it up. Season ended today. The Yankees are on the outside looking in. And if this is at the end of 162, I will be advocating for wholesale change in the Bronx. I don't think you will get wholesale change in the Bronx, but we've been down that road before. We had this discussion last year. We had this discussion two years ago. So I think we could reach a point where the Yankees, yeah, are on the outside looking into the playoffs and everybody's back. Oh, it was injuries. We didn't have judge. Can't be as simple as that. Today was pathetic. Across the board, organizational failures. From Boone to Torres to the lineup, but it's the hitting coach's fault. Good. 
Sometimes you got to do something just for the sake of doing something, but think bigger picture. Not to the Mets. Today was a huge game. And can we call it like we see it when it comes to Max Scherzer? Can this guy in a big start for the Mets show up at any point? I mean, my goodness. This game against the Padres felt more significant than your run-of-the-mill 162-game season. You know, the Padres and the Mets, I think we all can agree, two of the most underwhelming and two of the most disappointing teams in the National League and in baseball, for that matter. But they played this series. You get the great win on Friday night. You extend the winning streak. You get shut down by Blake Snell, who's been great over the month of June, and he's going to be an all-star. And Stefan and I might have been on a plane or might have saw him in the airport earlier today. I don't know if that was the case. Somebody's going to have to fact that check, fact check that one for me. Uh, but be that as it may, you, you can live with the Mets losing a game like they did on Saturday night. That's fine. Musgrove, Scherzer, Padres and Mets. And if you recall and if you remember, Max Scherzer against this exact opponent in October, in game one of a playoff series, got booed off the mound at City Field, gave up homer after homer, and had one of the most non-competitive playoff starts you're ever going to see. Well, you fast forward now to July of 2023, and you look at Scherzer's season, rocky beginning, it's been better as of late, but in the big games last year, the big games this year. Can he show up? Had that big lead against the Braves. Yucked it up. Big lead against the Yankees. Yucked it up. Today, rubber match. Monster swing game from the, the perception of, hey, you go on the road trip now, sweep the Diamondbacks, win two or three against the Padres. That's how you can seriously envision the idea of the Mets making up ground and making a run at this thing for the National League wild card. Instead, Max Scherzer doesn't give you a chance. He, he does not give you a chance to win. And right out of the gate, right out of the shoot, first inning of this game, he's going on giving up three runs. And this wasn't as bad necessarily as the start he made in the postseason, but it ain't good enough. It ain't good enough. Because you got Machado basically saying, hey, I'm your daddy. I'm going to homer off you in the first inning. I'm going to homer off you in the fifth inning. And you can't sell me, and you can't figure me out, and I own you. Five RBIs, two bombs for Manny Machado. And it ended up being the difference in the game as the Mets lose by the score of 6-2. to Scherzer in these big games for the Mets, I don't want to hear the excuse makers. I don't want to hear the apologists. He's not been up to par. And it might be an unreasonable standard for a guy who's poorly on the back nine of his career, and we know that Max Scherzer is in the middle of what is a first ballot Hall of Fame tenure. He will be in Cooperstown five years after he retires. We all know that. The Mets, however, are paying him to go and be a difference maker. Maybe that's misguided with his age. Maybe that's just the Mets having to overpay in order to go and get him, whatever, whatever the case may be. They're paying Scherzer for starts like Sunday to go and deliver. He flopped again. Go through it. 
since September of 2022. Find me the big game that Scherzer's pitched well. Braves-Padres last year, stunk. Braves this year, stunk. Yankees this year, stunk. Padres, big game today, swing game in the series, stunk. I need more from Max Scherzer. Like, you look at a record, all right, he's 8-3, he's got a 4-3-1 ERA. That's not $40, $41 million a year worthy. It's just not. Now, the Mets lineup could have bailed out their starter. They've had some bailout performances in this road trip. They did not have that today. They lose Pham, which is a big concern for them. Pham has been one of their best hitters. He's got 835 OPS. He really has been one of the guys that you can count on throughout the month of June. Losing him is problematic. And can we state the obvious? And I know some Mets fans aren't going to want to hear this, but tough shit. That's what we do around here. Pete Alonso should not be going to the All-Star game over Brandon Nimmo. He should not. Pete Alonso's hit 211 on the year. I know the power numbers are there. I know we missed time with the injury. He should not be going to the All-Star game. Brandon Nimmo is a far more worthy and a far more deserving All-Star than Pete Alonso. When you consider his defense, when you consider the fact that he plays basically every single game, the OPS is higher, the batting average is higher, and that's when Nimmo going in a little bit of a funk right before the All-Star break. He's a more worthy and deserving All-Star. You can even make the argument that Lindor, at his position, is a more worthy and deserving All-Star. But Alonso's going in the game. We'll see him in the home run derby. You know, he's going to get all juiced up and all fired up for that. But listen, the Mets go into the second half of the year with a record of 42 and 48. And to me, a lot of the goodwill that you saw in that series against the Arizona Diamondbacks loses a lot of its luster. Losing two out of three to a Padre team that you're neck and neck with. And here we are going in the All-Star break. The Mets are seven out of loss column and seven back of that final wild card spot, which is neck and neck between the Giants and the Philadelphia Phillies. Is that completely out of reach for the Mets? No, not necessarily. A lot of baseball left to be played. But it really does mean that the minute you come out of the All-Star break, it's pedal to the metal. Because I think if the Mets are in the position they're in now, this seven out last week of July, they might talk about the idea of making some changes. They may not be wholesale changes. Maybe it's a fam if he comes back from an injury or a Robertson, or maybe they see if there's a taker for a Scherzer or a Verlander, perhaps. But they will be had if you're seven out and you're six games under 500. You go and get back close to that 500 mark, you're three, four out of a wild card spot. I think they think differently. They may add, you know, a little bit on the margins. You may try to make a run at one of those teams that maybe come back to the pack a little bit in the National League. But this was a tough one today. And the Goat Horns, simple. Max Scherzer, I need a lot more. Wonderful Sunday in New York baseball. Between Boone, between Torres, between Scherzer. Yeah, just uh, kind of poor for the course of what we've seen throughout this 2023, April, May, June, and now July. Very much on brand. Last year, first half could not have been more immaculate. This year, it couldn't be more of a mess. All right, we'll rip through a bunch of calls. We'll set the stage for what we have coming up in Seattle this week. I'm very, very excited. I have a couple of home run derby picks I'm going to give out. I always love betting the derby. I'm going to have my draft with Eagle Eye picks either tonight or tomorrow via text. That's a tradition I don't like any other, but 
Uh, we'll come back, get some voicemail reactions. They're up next. MLB All-Star Week is here, and there's no better place to get on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because FanDuel is giving all customers a profit boost to use on the Home Run Derby. Just go to FanDuel.com slash NYNY to sign up or log into your FanDuel account to get your profit boost. Then you can use it to beef up your winnings on any Home Run Derby bet. There are a couple I like, folks. Adoles Garcia. Betting on him at 7-1. I like the hometown boy, J-Rod, to take down Mr. Home Run Derby, Peter Wanzer. You can get that at plus money. Those are two I have my eye on. So go to FanDuel.com slash NYNY to sign up and snag your profit boost today. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball trademarks, used with permission. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Bonus issued is not withdrawable profit boost tokens. Restrictions apply, including token expiration. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. All right, here we go. Voicemail time at 917-382-1151. Wonderful Sunday. Wonderful, wonderful Sunday in New York baseball. At least after the Met game ended, I got a beautiful run, Haley run. Ran by the ballpark. I think I ran by like Ken Rosenthal. I definitely saw a couple of folks around the Seattle area. I mean, that's the thing. It's going to be a who's who around here. So we're, we're going to have a fun couple of days. There's no doubt. But the Yankee game was painful. And then they threw on a 20-minute rain delay to boot. Tough. And it sure doesn't give you a chance in the first inning on. Brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Should rename this Sunday pod. Brutal. All right, voice bells. Hopefully they're not brutal. Let's go. Let's hear them, Stefan. Hey, JJ, Charlie, and Esther. Uh, what a season way for this team to end to hit to the also year. Two and all home stand to start and lose the next yeah, four or five, including the Sunday night discussing loss to the Chicago Cubs. I mean, Glaber Corps would have done that shit with that error. And on and on it goes. But, I think it sums up the season while how this team ain't good. Like, LeMahieu, so Donaldson, bum-ass, get his ass out of here. Fuck him. Uh, there, I mean, besides Harrison Bader, no professional outfielder. I mean, ridiculous. And, like, at the end of the day, you know, you have the Yankee owner who doesn't care about winning. All that cares about making money on, what, top 20-plus sellouts every season. You know, have 40 plus thousand people flushing the seats, selling up chicken buckets and pickle sales and concessions. That's about it. He doesn't care. He's also Miss, uh, Mr. Satan. He's just making money, not about winning championships. And, as uh, to the Yankee owner, you don't deserve my damn money. And on the manager, the manager is a fucking loser. Boone is a fucking loser and idiot. I can't stand him like all these press conferences and how many times in a, in, once a week they have this two touchdown losses and have to like bring in a position player. <laughs> Joe, you have this team like move to garbage shit tie on the worst pitcher in baseball. They only get happened under this manager who has no clue that wants to go through the most. He's an idiot with this team and of course the garbage passman, insanity, running this, this complete garbage ass roster with 
who have spent 207 million dollars with a bunch of bums and like little, you know, bunch of neophytes. With no, uh, structure at all. And this thing's what it is. And for Broome to say, oh, Driver Torres, he deserves to be an all-star. Really? I mean, if you see that play on, on the uh, seventh inning, Boston double play, where they're up for the three on and rush side of game. Boom, you go fucking stop. You speak shit. So I think this thing was what it is. And Anthony Sides, the top chance mentioned, in six years with Judge Cole, do they have one big one in it? Uh, my answer would be it can, but Nelson Fish, clowns running, garbage cashman, and idiot wounds are boom. Hell no. So, uh, I'm very, I'm sour on the scene. I really don't care what. I'm really okay, really. Thank goodness it's All-Star break. I enjoy Seattle with all the festivities out there in the All-Star game, everything. All right, man. Take care. Peace out. Love you, Charlie. Charlie right now, very frustrated. A lot of F-bombs out of Charlie. Clearly a big fan of Aaron Boone, that's for sure. Um, Claire Torres and All-Star in the same sentence? Give me a break. Have they watched Claire Torres and the mental errors and the mistakes that we've seen over the course of this year? He's been an average second baseman. Not bad. Shows glimpses at times. All-Star? Please. And I forgot to mention this. And this is why he gives some gems in these post-game presses. Apparently, and good job by the media members, as it is their job to ask questions like this. They ask Booney about yanking Herman out of the game. And apparently it's a fair question, according to the manager, for why he took Herman out of the game. But uh, apparently the manager of the Yankees wanted to get Domingo Herman out on a real high note heading into the second half. I mean, the guy's throwing a one-hitter. He walks the guy. He's got a three-run lead. But no, we got we to get him out on a high note. High note. The guy threw a perfect game two starts ago. So spare me this nonsense about the third time through the order. Listen, if he's giving up ropes, then get him out of the game. He just walked the guy. He got a three-run lead. And, and, and here's what drives me insane. If you're so hell-bent on Herman coming out of the game, get him out immediately. At least then, you're giving a reliever a clean inning and a, a fresh slate, and it could go from there. But the Yankees don't want to do that. Aaron Boone doesn't want to do that because it, it is so robotic the way he manages a game. Anybody's going to tell you otherwise, they're not watching the same games I'm watching. That's collective failure on Sunday, what you saw from the Yankees. Collective failure. The manager drops the ball. His second baseman doesn't bail him out. And the offense goes quietly into the night, which is what you expect from the Yankees. Four runs is a lot. Four runs, you should be throwing a party with the way the Yankees are swinging the bats these days. So, no, the new the new hitting coach is just going to solve everything. I hope so. Hope he waves a magic wand and all of a sudden, DJ LeMayu and Josh Donaldson learn how to hit again. That'd be great. Don't count on that being the, uh, the spark. I get it, though. I get it. Got to do something. You know, you, you can't change all the players. Sometimes you got to make a change like this. And first time in Brian Cashman's tenure, we're seeing something like this. So it's a start. When they dig deeper, if they miss the postseason, then they should dig very, very deep as far as I'm concerned. But that's a conversation for October. Who's next? Hey, Jay. It's Sean from Long Island. I'm just leaving the game uh, after the loss on Sunday. And I saw your post uh, blaming the loss on Aaron Boone. 
And I, I, I was at the game. I didn't realize Aaron Boone played second base for the New York Yankees. That looks like Labor Torres out there. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I also didn't realize um, that Aaron Boone was the relief pitcher who, in a tie game, couldn't throw a fucking strike. That looked a lot like Ron Marinaccio to me, um, but I couldn't tell. Um, I didn't realize Aaron Boone was the lineup uh, that only went two for ten with runners in scoring position. And, and on and on and on. Like, the players didn't fucking execute given the chance. Glaber got an easy ground ball double play that would have kept the game at four to one, and he didn't fucking do it. He fucked it up. That is not Aaron Boone's fault, okay? Nobody within the sound of my voice, nobody who can hear me talking right now thinks Domingo Herman is a good pitcher. Even the night he threw a perfect game, we were making jokes about it. So, like, the idea that we have to let Domingo cook when we have the best bullpen in the fucking sport out there is insane. A bullpen that, you know, just from my eyes watching all the games, who's managed pretty well this year. So this narrative that it's Boone's fault that we lost today and lost this series, it's just, it's just fucking deranged to me. It's nonsense. It's like an easy whipping boy. When, like, the answer's more complicated. Glaber fucked up. Lila fucked up. Ron fucked up. Other people in the bullpen fucked up. And he just, like, let it go. Everybody, Yankees Twitter, let it go. All right, I have a lot to chew on there. I do agree your point about the collective failure of today's game. You're right about it. Clipper Torres could have fielded a 4-6-3 double play. Ron Marinaccio walks the bases loaded in the eighth inning. The Yankees don't hit after they give up the lead. All true. All fair. You have to understand something, though. When you got a pitcher throwing a one-hitter and you got a three-run lead and he puts one guy on base, why is he coming out of the game at 70 pitches? See, you don't have an answer for that. That's bad karma. That's bad juju. I do believe in that. Why are you taking a starting pitcher out of the game who threw a perfect game two starts ago and threw a solid game against a good Baltimore Orioles lineup the last time he was out? Why are you rushing to the bullpen? I don't care how good it may be. And if that's the case, then why not let the bullpen start the inning? You want to get that bullpen in the game, then give a reliever a clean inning. Why do we got to half-ass it? So your points about this roster being flawed, fair. Your points about the mental lapses of Goyber Torres, totally fair. I, I, I have no argument there. But why Yankee fan watching that game with the way Herman is cooking is begging him to come and, and take him out of the game? Why? He's pitching a great game. Let him continue to pitch. He puts a couple of guys on base. Sure, get him out of the game. 71 pitches. It's just, it's bad baseball juju. And Spearman is nonsense about the third time through the order. I saw him the third time through the order against Oakland. How did that go? Through a perfect game. Maybe let, like, the game script and what you're seeing on the field kind of tell a story. Kind of set off this negative chain of events by that decision. So I, I didn't like it. And I think most Yankee fans you talk to didn't like it either. Manager didn't even have a good defense for why he did it. Because you want to get him out on a high note? See, that's both things can be true. The Yankees could be flawed, but yet Aaron Boone's managerial style leaves a lot to be desired. If you think he's a good manager, you're not watching the same games I watch. He's not good at his job. Sorry, he's not. 
You want to tell me he's good with the guys? You want to tell me he's a good face for the Yankee organization? That's that's a different conversation. In-game, he stinks. Stinks. Case closed. Who's next? What's going on, JJ? Um, this is Sunday afternoon. I'm pretty sure you've just watched the uh, disgrace of that Sunday game. This is Chris in New Jersey. And this is just a classic example of our favorite manager just sticking his nose where it doesn't belong, taking Domingo Grimond out after 74 pitches, giving up one hit, and just rushing to the bullpen. I know the Yankees have had a really good bullpen this year. This might be, you know, overjudging it, maybe some fans, but, I mean, come on. Like, we're on the Sunday. Like, just use your starter. He's been hot. Just let him be used. And this is just a topic that I had for you that, with the dog days of summer coming uh, very quickly here as we approach the all-star break. Interesting topic. The worst coaches slash managers in New York sports since 2000. And I thought that might be a great topic come a couple of days later. But uh, yeah, that'll do it for you. Thanks. Call you later. That is a good topic. I like that. The worst coaches, managers we've had in New York since 2000. I, I, I could put something like that together. I like that. I'll figure out a time. And I know a lot of you are going to be like, oh, is Boone going to be there? He, he can't be. Because if you go through the list of giant coaches and jet coaches or a Mickey Callaway, like, it's tough. It's tough. Or some of the Nick coaches they had before Tom Thibodeau, they had a couple of doozies in there. Derek Fisher, for example. Oh, my. Oh, my. So, uh, yeah, that, like, off the top of my head, like, Joe Judge immediately would be on the list. Adam Gaze would immediately be on the list. Mickey Calloway would immediately be on the list. I just gave you three right there. Like, at the snap of a finger. And, you know, I would like to go through records and tenures and really not be on, you know, the spot with that, but. I gave you three off the tip of my tongue. Easy. Very, very easy. Okay, let's take two more. Let's hear them. JJ, Sean from the Beach House in Belmar. Hope you're enjoying a summer cocktail in Seattle or on your way to Seattle. But this Yankee loss today is a double bourbon neat for me. This is the dark spirits time. This is not the drinks with umbrellas time. And I'm trying to not just be like saying what everybody else is going to be saying about the Yankees. Because I didn't freak out after Baltimore. That's a really good young team. I didn't freak out losing two or three in St. Louis. That team has some talent. It has some bats. It has some, some sticks. They've underachieved. I didn't freak out losing that first game in Oakland. But I'm losing my ability to not freak out. This Cub team, they stink. The Yankees should have won all three of these games. And I got to come at you on Torres. I've been wrong about plenty of things in my life. And, and, but I called him the baseball Julius Randle. And your take was, you know, he's good. He just isn't what we thought he was going to be. And there's no reason to think you can't go to a World Series with Torres as your starting second baseman. But I don't know if he's good, JJ. I mean, they gave him praise because all this regime does is praise guys, no matter how bad or mediocre their performance, for running through the third base coach. And they said, oh, he's not reckless. He's fearless. But he is reckless. He's, you know what he is, Jay? Torres, he's a stoonod. He's a stoonod. This is multiple times now where he has effed up at the worst possible instance and now has cost the team games. 
plural. But they praise him because he stole one run one time. This team needs to make changes. I'm not saying just, you know, be sellers. I'm not saying do radical stuff just for the hell of it. But I'm really sick of Donaldson and LaMayu and whatever's wrong with Rizzo and Stunad Torres and this litany of quadruple-A outfielders. It is time to freak out a little bit. It's time to make real substantive changes. And if that's taking on bad contracts or trading guys for 30 cents on the dollar, you, you got to shake this thing up, man. All right. I hope you enjoy yourself at the All-Star break, brother. Be well. Bye. Listen, Sean, I'm not going to fight you on the baseball IQ of Gleyber Torres. It leaves a lot to be desired. I think there's talent. I think you've seen it in the Yankee uniform. But it continues to be this sort of image in your head of what you thought Torres was going to be and what he has turned out to be. Does that make sense? I think it should. I think we all thought at the end of 2019, Glover Torres is going to be a star for the Yankees. Not a good player, not an average player, star. He was their three-hitter in that ALCS against the Astros. He was probably their best player that postseason. He had very good back-to-back postseasons in 18 and 19. He was an all-star in 18 and 19. You're like, all right, this guy is alive. He's going to be in the all-star game year after year after year. And you have not come close to getting 2019 Gloria Torres. What, 2018 Gloria Torres for that matter? What is he? He's 240, 250. 20 to 25, 70 to 80, uh, 80 RBI second baseman. And on the surface, you say, okay, those are decent numbers. But those are not the numbers that you envisioned a few years ago. And when you combine that with a lot of the frustrating elements of his game, he's a frustrating player. Very, very frustrating player. And ultimately, he will not be a Yankee long term. I doubt he gets traded at the deadline because the Yankees have, here's why he's not getting traded. The Yankees have no offense. So you can say what you want about him. He's one of their better offensive players. But long-term, I would never in a million years pay Gleyber Torres big money. Or, or, or decent money. Never in a million years. Not worth it. Let's take one more. JJ, it's Anthony inside Austin. Um, You know, I told you earlier in the year that I was going to be a little detached from the Yankees this season. Emotionally, more than actually um, physically. I'm watching games. Get me wrong. I'm watching all of them. You know that. Um, but, but I just want to say this. Now, they are in a rain delay in the eighth inning. Boone takes Herman out. I think it was like 74 pitches. They're up 4-1. Um, they end up giving, blowing the lead. And then this bullpen, which, you know, has probably been one of the only bright, shining things about the team this year. Marinaccio, who I like, can't find the strike zone. They load the bases, home comes in, sacrifice fly, wild pitch, 6-4. Who knows? Maybe they come back and win. I have no idea. But all I'm going to tell you is this, JJ. Um, you know, we're past Aaron Hicks now. You've got Donaldson doing nothing. LeMahieu doing nothing. Stanton, you know, other than the game yesterday, really not giving you much. The fact that this team is constructed the way it's been constructed, both on the owner and the general manager, Aaron Judge going down should not 
uh, have a team like this result in being a 500 team, but that's exactly what they are. My question to you, my friend, and, and to all the listeners on this podcast who are Yankee fans is as follows. And I made the case on another podcast with some bleacher friends of mine who I know you're familiar with. You have uh, Judge, whatever it is, another eight, nine years, and I believe you have Cole, another six. It's getting to the point where it's like that 109 season with A-Rod. Do you feel, do you feel that in the next six years with Judge and Cole, the Yankees can make one legitimate title? That's the question I asked of you. I, I, I punted this year away. They're not going to do anything with this team the way it's constructed. Do you feel in the next six years, I'm, I'm asking you to be a bit of a fortune teller here, that they will be able to make one legitimate run with Cole as the ace and Judge as the cap. I say they can, but it's not going to be easy. Anthony, I would hope that they would be able to make one legitimate run with those two guys still in the prime years of their careers. Remember, they brought Garrett Cole in, and this has nothing to do with Garrett Cole, who has been amazing this year for the Yankees. Because he took a lot of shit from me. He took a lot of shit from Yankee fans last year. And he backed it up in the postseason, and he has backed it up this year. Look at it. Look at his record after losses and how good he's been after losses. Like, that dude should get a standing ovation for the first half he's at. But remember, they brought him in to be the missing piece. They didn't bring Eric Cole in to be, like, a part of it. No, they were like, all right, we're ready. But they have regressed across the board with the rest of their team. So that's why, like, I, I, I for one, don't look at Garrett Cole and say, oh, he's been a failure as a Yankee. That's nonsense. It's been the All-Star game a bunch. He's pitched pretty well outside of the clunker in Boston in the postseason. Like, he takes the ball every fifth day. He's a gamer. He's a warrior. Like, he's an easy guy to root for, in my opinion. Even last year when I was down on him with Billy Crystal and it was after the playoff start. So, like, that kind of ate at me. Cole has delivered for the Yankees. Many of the other guys have not. But I think the answer to that question, honestly, is going to depend on the hierarchy and the decision makers and who exactly they're going to be from a Yankee perspective. Because let's be perfectly frank. What Yankee fan in their right mind can honestly sit there and tell me, hey, guess what? I have the utmost confidence in Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone and Yankee leadership. Do you? I know I don't. And this is coming from a guy who used to throw, uh, I was throwing bouquets the way of Brian Cashman all the time. I told you last year I was ready. And even two years ago, like I wanted to give Cashman a pass. I was like, ah, maybe, maybe make Boone the scapegoat. Now I'm, I'm to the point now where I, in a perfect world, would like to see new blood. Because I think the Yankees have gotten stale. And I think anybody who has watched the Yankees over the last couple of years, they'd be a fool to tell you otherwise. Unless your standard is, hey, just get in the playoffs. And anything can happen in the playoffs. Because, oh, it's a, it's a crapshoot. You know, I used to hear that from the Oakland A's. With no payroll. Like Billy Bean saying that, you understand why. They don't have the resources of the Yankees. They don't have the resources of the Red Sox or the big market teams. So for them, you know, it's tough. They're behind the eight ball. The Yankees are not. When I hear it's a crapshoot, and this would be my point that I would make if I had to sit down with Brian Cashman, if I had to sit down with Aaron Boone, if I had to sit down with any of these guys who were in the Yankee organization, 
I'd love to hear from them. The problem is they don't, they probably don't want to deal with me because how dare, how dare me question them? Podcast host, TV personality, fan, how dare me question them? Because I don't know as much as they do. Maybe they're wrong about that. Maybe they should listen to their fans. Like Hal, if you're out there, maybe, maybe get a pulse. And Charlie nailed it. They got 40,000 coming to every single game. The attendance, I'm stunned. It's been amazing from a Yankee perspective. People like to go. I don't know if it's summer nights, the Bronx, the Bodega, Billy's, the environment. Yeah, it's a it's a happening scene. There's no doubt. I love going. I haven't gone as much this year because my schedule has been insane. Like the TV, the wedding. Like I, I got a lot of shit on my plate. So I haven't gone to as many Yankee games as I normally do, quite frankly. But that has nothing to do with the team. That has everything to do with stuff that's going on in my personal world. So I guess from Al's standpoint, he's like, well, we keep filling the seats. We're in it. I'm okay with that. That's where the bar has been lowered. That's when the Yankee standard has dropped to a point where it's, oh, let's just be in it. Let's just get in it. Forget about the fact that they haven't been to a World Series in 13 plus years. Let's let's just get in it. Maybe this will be the year. Well, watch the first half this year. There is nothing you have seen that would lead you to believe this offense is doing anything in postseason play. You want to be wrong? Please prove me wrong. You think this team is beating the likes of Toronto, Tampa, Baltimore, Houston? I shouldn't throw Toronto in there. They're, they're a notch below, but you get my drift. Toronto's better than them right now, and they got more talent-wise. Who's more talented, the Blue Jays or the Yankees? The Blue Jays are more talented. They're more talented. The Yankee lineup stinks. It is, with the names that are in there, so disgusting to watch on a night-in-night-out basis. It has been a joyless first half of this year. Joyless. So, very on-brand podcast today. Very, very on-brand podcast. This is this is the mood. This is the feel right now in Yankee Land. Very, I don't want to say checked out because the fan base is not checked out. Downtrodden. Pissed off. Angry. How's wondering why you're upset, though? Why are you upset? Why are you upset? All right. I'm probably going to get upset because I'm going to have some hell from Larry coming up. I thought Immaculate Grid was hard on Sunday. Oh, boy. Larry and some trivia. And then we'll wrap it up with some derby picks for Monday night. I got a few that I really like. We'll get to that coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 
25. That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. Trivia time. All right, Larry, I feel like I'm warmed up for you because there was a very difficult immaculate grid today and I went nine and nine. I had some great answers. Uh, Tom Goodwin, Chris Young, the pitcher. I pulled those out of my ass. So what do you have in store for me? Let's hear it. J.J. Larry, it's a couple trivia tonight. Since the 21 season, four guys have 50 homers, 50 steals, and 200 RBIs. Who are they? The second one is, once in the last 20 years, a relief pitcher struck out 150 batters in a season. Who was it? I'm out. All right, let's start with question number one. Four players since the 2021 season have 50 homers, 50 steals, and 200-plus RBIs. Okay. Uh, number one, Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm. Uh, that's a bad guess because he missed time due to performance-enhancing drug suspension. Uh, guess two, Ronald Acuna. Also a bad guess, considering that he missed the entire second half of the year in 21 with an ACL. So I'm really, I'm really on fire to start it up. 50 homers, 50 steals, 200 plus RBIs since the 2021 season. Um, I don't know if he got to 50 steals, but I'll throw him in there. Aaron Judge. Wow, I am, I am, I am on fire. I am on fire with these first three guesses. I'm not even in the right vicinity or ballpark. Yikes. Um, before we get Stefan's help here, which I might need, Mookie Betts. Wow. Stefan, am I even close? Um, these guys, so you're looking at your your name in like a-level superstars. Okay. I think I would consider these guys as like B-level stars in the MLB. Some are like C, but like B-level stars in the MLB. All right, so we got to lower the bar a little bit here. All right, so that's where we'll go. All right, so because we're thinking about stolen bases, um, Francisco Lindor. <laughs> this, is, this is pathetic. Uh, I'm going to give another match. Because he steals a lot of bases. Starling Marte. Mm. Wow. I mean, this might be the worst trivia performance I've ever had on a question that Larry has given me. And it's recent, too. See, that's what's frustrating. It's recent. So, so you would think that I'd be on my game here with this one. I'm taking one more guess, and then I want the answers. I, I'm. This is how disgusted I am with this performance. 
Let me see if I can help you out, Jay. Let me see right, if I can go. get you on a wheel. One right, of Larry's guys. One of Larry's guys. Think of one of Larry's guys. Jose Ramirez. There's one. Well, he's he's an A-lister. Maybe not name-wise, but he is an A-lister. All right. We got three more then. Ramirez is one. See, thinking about stolen bases makes this complicated. Ozzy Albies. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Trey Turner. There's two. All right. We're coming along. We're coming along. We're halfway home. I'm like going through. Oh, here's a guess. Marcus Simeon. Doesn't steal enough. Uh, Bo Bichette. That's one I thought I was going to get. Jose Altuve. All right, I got one more, and then I want the next two because I'm done with this question. Uh, Kyle Tucker. There we go. Should have went down that road sooner. All right, I'm one away, huh? I mean, at this rate, I might as well finish it. It took me like 10 zillion guesses to get to this one. You got to go through like each team and like envision steals and power. Oh, Randy Arozarena. There we go. All right, Larry. That was a struggle, but we got there. See, Steph had to get me going in the right direction. Once he did, uh, we started making some progress. Now, the second question was 150 strikeouts as a reliever. So it's got to be somebody. That threw a ton of innings. And like, what was the year period with that, Stefani? You remember? It it was the early 2000s. Sorry, Jay. Early 2000s. Early, early 2000s. Okay. All right. So that that's the time period. So it's got to be somebody that threw a ton of innings. Multiple innings. See, I was going to guess Rivera in 1996, but that's obviously not the right answer. Is it uh, Francisco Rodriguez? It is not Francisco Rodriguez. Okay. Um, is it Mariano Rivera? It is not Mariano Rivera. Okay. Got to be a guy through multiple innings and did it often. So it almost thinks it makes me think it's more of the the uh, setup variety guy than it is the, the closer variety guy. Was it Joel Zumaya for the Tigers? Early 2000s, Stefan, huh? Early 2000s. 
this guy, I'm glad you said Mariano. I'm glad you said K-Rod. He was also one of the premier closers in the MLB at one point in his career. Okay. Eric Gagne. Mm. Mm. Okay. Premier closer. Oh, I got another one for you. Former Met. Is it Billy Wagner? Mm. It's not Billy. All right. I think I know where we're going, though. I think we're closer. Is it Brad Lidge? Here we go. That's a tough question. Larry, let's, let's be real here. Larry ate my freaking lunch today with the way he set up those trivia questions. Those were brutal. So I was on my high horse after Immaculate Grid. I was feeling good about myself. And sure enough, I go crashing. All right. Home run derby. Uh, I will get my picks in a moment, but I'm going to let Jeff Money weigh in right away. Money, uh, Monday, Tuesday. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know if you're playing any of this, but it's all you. Let's hear it. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. This could be for Monday the 10th and Tuesday the 11th. We're going to pick for uh, All-Star Weekend, All-Star Week over here. So for the home run derby optional play, I'm going to go with uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's plus 350. We're going to go with him. And as far as the All-Star game, I'm going to take the dog. I'm going to go with the uh, National League plus the 110. All right, so those are my two plays. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for the... uh, for the home run hitting contest. And I'm going to go with the National League. Let's see what you uh, pick. And everyone can follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. Well, I will also ride Vladdy Jr. with you because my two picks for the Derby that I have circled here, I like Vlad Guerrero Jr. at plus 350. The other guy I really like is Adolis Garcia, who has been hitting bombs for the Texas Rangers this year. And he's at 700 to win the event. Alonzo's plus 300. Guerrero's plus 350. Lewis Robert Jr. Lubob is at plus 400. The Seattle boy, Julio Rodriguez, is at a down year, plus 500. Garcia, 7-1. Arosa Arena, 950. And then you got Adley Rushman and Mookie Betts, who are your long shots at 20-1. to Now, the way I would look to play this, I like playing Julio Rodriguez tomorrow to advance in the first round. And I know Alonzo's been the Derby King. He loves the event. He's been there. He's done that. I feel like when you're that hometown guy, you can feed off that crowd's energy. And I just have a feeling I'll take plus 142 with Julio to beat Pete tomorrow. I just think that's way too big a number. So I'm going to have a little fun there with that one. And then the other one I like is the longest home run hit. Lou Bob hits some bombs. So I, I will take him, and I see this on FanDuel. Play to hit the longest home run, Luis Robert Jr. at plus 400. That will be another wager I make for the home run derby. I'm going to have a lot of fun betting this tomorrow. Uh, and good thing I got a lot of the bets in before I got to the airport because I am in the state of Washington where, unfortunately, on FanDuel, you cannot involve yourself in betting on such events, which is very, very unfortunate. But we disagree, Jeff Money. You never bet against the American League in the All-Star game. Never, ever, 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 ever bet against the American League in the All-Star game. So good luck, my friend. Fun show. We will have hopefully something lined up midweek. It should be a fun week here out in Seattle over the next couple of days, so I look forward to that. Uh, We'll have a lot of content coming your way on 
Twitter, on what is it? Not spaces. Uh, what, what do they call this new uh, social media thing? I don't even know. Is it spaces? Threads. I, I don't even know. I can't even keep track of this stuff anymore. So we're on, we're on Twitter. We're on threads. We do the Twitter spaces. You know, it's all, you know where to find us. Content is content. And of course, right here, download the pod, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. Good job by Stefan. Uh, our baseball teams really put us in a wonderful mood. At least we don't have to watch them now for the next four days. Thank goodness for that. JJ out. And we're that much closer to the football season. But we'll have some fun from Seattle. That's coming your way throughout the week. We out. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler. Visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 100 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 109 within Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call one 877 8 or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.